All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just after four o'clock, uh, flying through on a Monday afternoon. How are you? Remember, later on this hour, coming up in about uh, 50 minutes' time, your chance to uh, qualify to uh, help your neighbor. You can win some great prizes for yourself, but also the grand prize. You will be able to gift someone a brand new high-efficiency furnace, courtesy of Legacy Heating. Includes insulation, includes everything, baby. So uh, that's coming up very quickly, so stay tuned. But uh, first, we'll get to our big guest of the day, uh, brought to you by the Hockey Super League, a premier hockey solution with a clear path for long-term development, offering borderless hockey, including provincial and cross-province competition. Uh, learn more at hockeysuperleague.ca. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, Terry Ryan. As we welcome back to the show, our regular uh, Monday contributor, Andy Petrillo from uh, CBS Sports and uh, One Soccer. Andy, how you doing? I'm good, actually. So you just did something there on furnaces. Mm-hmm. This is a complete sidetrack. Nothing to do with sports. But I believe, what is it out in Edmonton? Is it like one or two degrees? Uh, right yeah, it's like plus two or something like that today. Yeah. Yeah. So we're about five. Every year, I don't know what it is, if I think I'm a hero, I always see how far I can go before I turn my furnace on. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if you guys, like, what's the magic number if you give in? But I'm like, I know people, like, just about everyone in my neighborhood, my family, they all have their furnace on. I'm holding out. Ah. It, like, reached 18 degrees in my house, but I am holding out. I just put on the nice sweater. Yes. I don't know. I just, this is like the time of year where I just play a game with myself and how long I can go before I turn my furnace on. Now, Andy, does your husband is, uh, does he like the house cool or is he the opposite of you? Oh, he does. Well, that's like, you, 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 no, no. You guys are like polar bears. Yeah. Well, you're right. But uh, you're like the rare female because most people will trust me. My wife. Oh my God. Like it's, I have to like try to Uh. glue the uh, thermostat button so she can't turn up. She loves it hot. Like she sleeps with one of those weighted blankets. We actually have a special duvet that my mother-in-law made us. We took two double duvets and mine is like thin, like a Kleenex. And then hers is like a triple layered. And so she, so we have a, a king size bed, but the duvet has half of hers and then half of mine. Cause otherwise I that couldn't do it. That is too funny. It's, I, I love it. Yeah. It's the greatest invention. Like I told her, I said, we should sell these things because I know a lot of married couples. That is like one of the few things is the, the heat in the house is like a, a contentious issue. Yeah. It's contentious. Trust me. Yeah. I'm just like, why are you turning the furnace on? We don't need the furnace on. Put a sweater on. No. I'm with you. Uh, now quickly, quickly, uh, Andy, uh, tomorrow's Halloween. Um, oh. what, uh, what is your favorite candy to hand out? And secondly, 
What is uh, what is the favorite Halloween costume you've ever had? Oh, okay. So as a child, uh, my mother would just take my dance outfits. So whatever I like dance competition, if I was an angel, if I was a Navy soldier, just, you know, that I was like someone in the Navy one time. I don't know. Basically, whatever I wore for my tap, jazz or ballet recitals, that ended up being my costume. And I did. I had this Navy one that was like white with these sparkles on the side and this cute little hat. So I absolutely love that costume. Till this day, I love that costume. I have like the sleekest photo of me in that costume. Um, handing out, I love, I mean, I'm a good coffee. I love a good coffee crisp. So I'll hand out a good coffee crisp. Um, and then to the parents, I hand out a little peanut flavored whiskey. I'm just Ooh. saying, I make little shots to the parents. So Classy. I enjoy doing that. I love Halloween with all my heart. It breaks my heart, but I'm kind of excited. The women are playing, right? The Canadian uh, women's soccer team, they're playing Brazil again in yeah. Halifax. So I have to work Halloween night, but I oh. love Halloween. Oh, okay. I like it. Um, <laughs> speaking of the uh, the women, let's start there. Um, yes. Uh, that, what, what, were your, what were your thoughts on their first match against Brazil? Yeah, they didn't take advantage of their chances, and, and, and Brazil pretty much dominated that game. If it wasn't for Kaylin Sheridan, the goalkeeper, who came up with some good saves, Um uh, I think Canada, that could have easily been 2-3-4-0. Um, it was heartbreaking because it looked like it was going to end goalless and it looked like Kaylin Sheridan, I mean, at least give the goalkeeper a clean sheet, right? That's a, a shutout in soccer. So, unfortunately, Brazil scored in the 95th minute. What it tells me is that, you know, they have a lot of work to do. Jesse Fleming, who's that in that midfield, uh, came out in the 22nd minute, was dealing with a migraine. Anyone who deals with migraines, this girl right here, I know how painful that is. So she just couldn't keep it together. Obviously, she was feeling pretty nauseous. So they subbed her out, and you realize how important she is in the middle of the pitch. So, um, you know, that was, that was a, you know, again, something we knew, but also very eye-opening to be like, mm, yeah, kind of neater there, right? Because if you recall, she missed that first game for Canada at the World Cup as well. I think she was dealing with that calf injury. Um, so again, you're kind of going, wow, this is somebody they really need. But, you know, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a little slow. Um, Christine St. Clair came in in the 68th minute. Fans went nuts. As you know, this is her farewell tour. But it's, I think it's a tough position for the coach to be in, guys, because as much as you want to give Christine minutes, um, she's not going to Paris. And if that game told us anything, it's that the Canadians have a lot of work to do. So, you don't want to, and I hate to be crass, but like you don't want to waste minutes on a player who's not going to be at the Olympics. But at the same time, this isn't just any regular player. This is a legend of the game. Uh, you know, she's the all-time international goal scorer, but also just a legend in this country in the game. So you want to give her her flowers at the same time. So a bit of a predicament for Bev Priestman, no doubt. Andy Forge beat the Cavalry. In yeah. um, the CPL final, and a pretty, pretty exciting final game. Mm. Uh, first of all, in in that world, did you do you think that sours the year that the Cavalry had finishing first place overall? I mean, guys, we've had this conversation right when I talked to you about um, Cavalry over the course of the season, twenty eight games. They won the, the the regular season title by thirteen points. That's a big deal, right? Especially in in, in the world of soccer, winning. The season is a big deal. Uh, it, it grants them as well a berth into CONCACAF Champions Cup, a big tournament. But to me, the job's still not done. In North America, we have playoffs, and we still put weight on playoffs. And the story for me as well with Cavalry is they can't beat Forge in the playoffs. That's part of their story now. That's a demon they still can't exercise. So I, I think it's... For me, it's a little bit sour because they also played a great game. In the first 90 minutes, so this one went into extra time. In the first 90 minutes, they were the better team. This is a strong team. This has an incredible roster. If they couldn't do it now, when the heck are they going to do it, right? Because this is like the best that they could absolutely be. Now, the good thing is they could come back with a very similar roster next year. But still, it's like you're the absolute best this year. So it goes into extra time. Forge ends up beating them on two world-class goals. I guess if anything, Terry, you can say that it took two world-class goals to beat Cavalry. So maybe you can feel a little bit better with that if you're the Cavs. But my word, it's like, to me, it's like Ovi 
and the Washington Capitals could never get past Pittsburgh. And we thought if they always have to get through the Penguins, they're never going to win the cup, you know, and like finally, right. It ends up happening. Same thing with the Toronto Raptors. Toronto Raptors could never get past LeBron James and Cleveland. So thank goodness he ended up leaving Cleveland. And then the Toronto Raptors go on and win that year. It's like, sometimes there's just a team who has your number and for Cavs, Cavalry, I should say, it, it happens to be forged. It's just crazy. Speaking of world-class goals, yes, which lead to world-class clips that get seen all over, and the league popularity <laughs> is skyrocketing. It really is. Now, I'm wondering, uh, record-breaking attendance this year. Yeah. Where, what are we talking about? They've got to be talking expansion for a young league. And where would – I mean, is that being talked about? I assume yes. And if mm-hmm. so, where and when? So we talked to the commissioner, Mark Noonan, gave his end of season address, and he said that they have signed 16 NDAs of groups who are interested in having a team. He did confirm that next year they're going to start with eight. Once again, it'll be eight teams. So if we do see expansion, it'll be in 2025. There's another team as well, York United, who has been a a part of the, the league since its inception. But this year, the league had to take over ownership. Um, so there's been struggles, right? As with, I mean, starting a league is hard. He did confirm that within the next 30 days, we should be hearing about new ownership for them. So that's good news. So, I mean, 16 ownership groups being interested. Now they just, they have to vet the market because, you know, they don't want to just be like, oh, yay, people are interested. Let's go. You know, it's no different than, you know, the NHL when they were looking at Vegas. They did extensive market research to make sure that this would be a viable place for a hockey team to survive. So it's no different here in soccer. Now they're going to go, they're going to do their market research. Uh, They're going to look at stadiums. They're going to look at, you know, the venues, the um, accessibility to the venue for fans. It's got to be able to be easy to get there. You know, how big are these venues, especially now in the, in the CPL, no more than 10,000, I would say 10,000 seat stadium, usually seven to 8,000 is absolutely perfect because that's just what you're getting right now. A lot of these other teams that play out of these C, uh, CFL buildings, they still do feel a little cavernous, and I don't think it does the product justice. So they're going to start doing things like that, and they're also going to look into if those types of venues don't exist, will that ownership group be able to pay to build a new venue? So all these types of things are happening. So next year it looks like it's still going to be the eight um, with expansion happening in 2025. Um, the, uh, the Hamilton has become kind of, you know, a juggernaut in the CPL, right? Uh, they, they win all the time. There, there is some people wondering, um, do you see promotion and consideration for their head coach, um, you know, within the national men's program, you know, is, is that even, is that a fair connecting of the dots, Andy, or is it uh, premature? What do you think? No, 100%. Um, Bobby Smirniotis is a man of few words and just has the same face all the time. And after they won, which was their fourth title in five years, he looked like he was about to cry. And so you just have to go back a little bit. We know he's in, he interviewed for the Toronto FC job. Yeah. He lost out to John Herdman, which is a huge name, right? Mm-hmm. But he interviewed for that job. And he's also, just a couple weeks ago, Bobby did a press conference where somebody asked him, hey, they're, they're looking for a national team coach. Would you be interested? And he's like, uh, yeah. So 100% put his name in the hat. And you also have to remember, he started Sigma FC, which is like this development program and team. And guys like Kyle Laren, you know, like a lot of guys, Richie Larea, these are all guys he's either coached, Jonathan David. I mean, Milan Borian, when he immigrated to Canada, went to Hamilton. So a lot of guys who are currently on the national team, they were brought up okay. in many ways by Bobby, where you're coached by him at one point or just know him through the, the Sigma or the Hamilton system. So he, he has a familiarity. I mean, at, at one point, he and his brother working as agents actually represented Kyle Laren oh, wow. uh, when he was with Major League Soccer and were part of that deal that had him move to uh, Turkey and Besiktas. So he knows a lot of these guys, too. But uh, we'll see. I mean, this is this is a Canadian. This is the re- this is the whole reason why the CPL in many ways also was created it's to have a domestic league yes it's for players but it's all about developing medical staff referees and developing canadian coaches so bobby moves on that's a prime example of why the cpl is so important we've talked about this before andy and um there's obviously the uncertainty with the the men's program well just you know the programs in general kind of they're fighting a little bit right now and so they're like wow we don't know exactly what's going to happen schedule wise everything else does it make that job like 
I get that you want that job in normal circumstances. Right now, it might, like, I don't know. Is it less appealing because of the, you know, the goings on outside of the pitch right now? Oh, I, I would say 100%. And I would say maybe even more so, too, if you're not Canadian. Because if you're somebody who's used to just coaching in other parts of the world, you know, I mean, to be lured to this program. And let's face it, as much as they brought us on this incredible ride to qualify for Qatar. Mm -hmm. Um, and as much as they've done a lot, you know, and they make the nation's league final, this is still a team that's in its infancy. This is still a team that hasn't won a trophy since 2000 when they won the gold cup. So to really entice somebody, whether it's a European coach, South American coach, any type of coach, a, that's going to take a lot period B of course, they're going to look at the labor dispute and say, can you get your ducks in order here? Can you figure this out? Because that's a headache I don't want to have to deal with, especially since you have the 2026 World Cup, which some games are going to be in Canada. Like, of course, someone's going to say, no, I don't like that at all. But I do think if you're a Canadian coach, yeah, you still kind of don't like that and you want it resolved. But at the same time, you're in it. Like, this is your country. This is your life. This is your world. Um, So you've kind of been a part of it. And maybe you're willing to take that on a little bit because the Maple Leaf is just, you know, stamped onto your heart. So, uh, but without a doubt, Jason, yeah, there are coaches going, you need to, you need to figure that out. And I say that because, and it's not that I'm trying to take away from the players. You have every right to fight for what you believe you deserve, like go for it. But at the same time, the men's team boycotted a game that cost the Federation money that ticked off a lot of fans. And I'm sure if you're a coach, you're just a little cautious. Cause you're like, you better not be boycotting games under my watch. Right. We have a World Cup to get ready for. So I, I, I do believe it's a sticking point for anybody they interview. Of course, it would be until it gets resolved. Andy, as always, great to catch up with you. Uh, we will enjoy working on uh, on Halloween and uh, enjoy. Uh, maybe you'll be able to sneak in a few coffee crisps here and there. Oh, I might have too many. If I'm a little spastic during the broadcast, you will know why. Ooh, sugar right. rush. Oh yeah. Hey, who doesn't <laughs> like the sugar rush a lot? Now, is there any, is there one Halloween candy that you don't like? Like, you're just like, this is the worst. I would never want to get it. Oh, I'm sure there are. I mean, I don't like anything that's, um, that makes my teeth stick together. Or it's kind of like, I don't know what, maybe like a, a Mars bar is kind of gross. Oh, I don't know. A Mars bar. Wow. I don't know. Oh. It's just things where it's like it's all goopy. Yeah. Like, do you guys like have tof- in, in coffee Ont- type of stuff? In Ontario, do you have those black and orange? They're a single. It's like looks like it's t- it's kind of like dark brown and wrapped in a little. It's small. It's like the little black and orange one. They're like rock hard candies and, and like they're, they're singles. And God, they're oh, the that's worst. Disgusting. Oh, it's the worst candy ever. It's like rock hard. I hate it. I don't even know what they're called, but I would like. I would never hand those out to kids. I think, honestly, you you dislike children if you hand those out. The only kind of candy, it would have to be like a sour key for me, because other than that, it's chocolate. It's chocolate all the way. Okay. Don't give me cinnamon hearts. Don't give me Werther's Originals. Like, just don't give me any of that crap. I just want chocolate. That's fair. All right. Chocolate. Just chocolate. Okay. Good to know. Thanks, Annie. We appreciate it. (laughs) That is uh, Andy Petrillo joins us every uh, Monday. TR, is there a Halloween candy you despise that you're like, you know, I would never hand it out to kids just because I didn't like it as a kid? Yeah, way back, Jerry Seinfeld does a stand-up about it. He mentions it. I think they're, remember, I don't even think they're on the go anymore, but they used to be popular, the the little peanut-shaped, like, marshmallow things that were orange. I don't even know what they were. Um, Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Those sort of things. And to be honest, me personally, I don't eat, Many sweets, chocolate, yes, but and even that, I, I don't, I just don't have a sweet tooth. So of all of it, I would just go through. You'd get the odd bag of chips, still kind of the same, you know. I'd keep that and my favorite chocolate bars. But as far as lollipops and sugary treats and sour treats, I they, those just sit there. I'd never even. I could be starving to death and it wouldn't. It's I have as much reaction to eat that pillow over there than I do something some sweet candy. <laughs> It just doesn't compute. I don't okay. taste okay, but I, yeah. I just, yeah, I don't crave it at all. Not a fan. Okay. That's, uh, that's fair. Those, somebody out there is going to know what that can. You guys are knowing what I'm talking about. Uh, Connor, do you know which one? It's the orange and black wrapper. It's small. It, it almost looks like a caramel, but it's not remotely a caramel. And, uh, they're the worst. I, I can't stand them. So I don't even think they have a name. Like I've Googled it. It's just orange and black candy. 
There's no name on it? <laughs> no. Well, I mean... Well, that's how bad they are. Because no one wants to put their name on it. There, Doesn't there are it some. They only come out at Halloween. Well, Je- yeah, Jesse says they're molasses toffee. Yeah, like Kerr's molasses toffee. Oh, it's with like God. the little witch no on wonder it. Wonder they're terrible. Yeah, it's got the little witch on <laughs> yeah, it, right? Yeah, some have an owl instead. But Kerr's makes Kerr like K E R R. Yeah, that's it. Oh man, jeez, if your last name <laughs> is Kerr, you I don't gotta... see them any other time of year. It's yeah. like they're only yeah, so yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, and they're called, some people call them Halloween kisses. That's right, but yeah, they're they're awful. I'm sorry for me. Like that's the worst candy you could. You, I think you don't like kids if you if you go purchase those. Like you gotta go because you gotta search hard to find them. Ugh, terrible molasses. I remember. Yeah. I don't think there's much of this going on anymore, but. When I was a kid, I mean, people used to hand out fruit, I, I think. Oh, yeah, so you get a few apples in your bag, right, or a box of raisins. Like, come on. Yeah. No, I don't yeah. see many fruit anymore. But, uh, like, I also remember when we were kids, you used to have that little pink elephant on the box, and it was like that popcorn. Did you have those in Yo, the East Coast? Yeah. Yeah. My dad loved what those. What was that? It was literally, it was pink popcorn. <laughs> It was pretty stale. Another thing that only seemed to come out at uh, yeah, Halloween. Hundred percent. Yeah, it was it was specialized uh, Halloween candy and not uh, not great. Was now, it ever really about the candy? I you know it is. And you, yeah. I even remember like trying to fill up two pillow bags and like oh, yeah. bragging about it. But like, but but in the end, I didn't eat. You didn't even eat I it. Ninety percent. Yeah, I mean, I'd, like oh, I no. said, I did. I'd throw the chocolate bars, maybe. Yeah. You know, maybe the odd bag of chips, but you know, there's so much candy. I don't even remember what I did with it. I must have given it away. No, there is. My, my son has very good discipline. He actually went through his closet. He still had like three chocolate bars left from last Halloween. And um, yeah, because he kind of, you know, put him on. You don't want to just eat everything. But uh, and he's very picky. He's like you. Like he'll pick out lots of things he doesn't like. And I'm just like, what? And then but I end up having too much of it. Like I don't need all of the like I love sweets. I got a really bad sweet tooth. And anything little those little sour ones, oh like I love Skittles, any of that stuff. And he doesn't really like that. So I end up with stuff. I'm like, I don't need all of this. So you know, and he gave some of it away too. So we'll see. Uh we'll come back and we have uh your chance. We're gonna play a little trivia. 833-401-1440. Little trivia today to help your neighbor and you could win them. A brand new high efficiency furnace. Next, 833-401-1440. We'll take callers. We continue on Tuesday, Monday afternoon on Sports 1440, live on Orders Nation YouTube. It is the uh, Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca coming to you live from the E-Well Studios. They give you more than premium quality electrical products. Uh, they also can help you elevate your projects. You want to look good doing it and have the best stuff? Contact EW. E-L dot C-A. Uh, it is uh, the four o'clock hour. And yeah, you know what that means? It's time now to uh, help your neighbor contest. Uh, we do this for another three weeks. Do it for a month every day on the show. And uh, you qualify. If you qualify, you will go into the draw and you're going to have a, a one in 20 chance where you can win. And then you will win two things. Number one, you win a prize for yourself. You will win. Uh, tickets to the uh, Friday night game for the orders on December 8th. Lower bowl tickets where the orders attack twice. It's Friday, so you'll have a lot of fun. And you will win uh, an Echo B smart thermostat or the installed Google Nest, courtesy of a legacy heating and cooling. So you get that in your home, and then you get to go out. But more importantly, you will then win the opportunity to gift a high-efficiency Goodman furnace, courtesy of Legacy Heating and Cooling. Comes with the uh, T4 thermostat. Uh, that's the Honeywell. Also, all your permits and inspection fees are covered. They will even remove and dispose of the person's old furnace. Everything to a friend. Can be your neighbor. Can be a sibling. Can be a co-worker. Can be aunt, uncle, parents, friend. I don't care. There's only two... There's three rules. A, they cannot reside in your house. You can't gift it to your spouse, your common-law, your partner, whoever. They can't reside in the same house as you. The person you gift it to has to own their home because we don't want to put it in a rental product, and then they're gone in two years or a year or six months. And number three, they need to reside within 100 kilometers of Edmonton. Okay? Can't gift it to Uncle Doug living in GP. Sorry for all GP listeners. That's just... Uh, how it goes. Okay, so uh, those are the rules. And uh, now we, uh, we're we going to play a little trivia for you. 
And uh, we always like to have fun with trivia. We'll see if you're paying attention to the show, maybe, or if you have a good memory from last year. 833-401-1440. Cons, where are we going? Well, it's a great name. We're starting off with Philip. Philip. Philip, how are you doing? Not too bad. How are you guys? Good. Connor's a big fan of your name. So, <laughs> nice. all right. Philip, uh, last year, in the month of October, the first nine regular season games for the Edmonton Oilers, only one bottom six forward had a goal. Do you know who it was? One bottom six forward had a goal. That's right. First nine games. Yeah, you got a guess? Let's go, Costin. Uh, uh, Clean Costin. Uh, no, incorrect. Thanks for playing. Uh, Clean the Dream uh, was not on the team. Ooh, look at that. Wasn't on the team last October. Eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Josh, Josh, you know the answer. I'm going to take a guess with Ryan McLeod. That is a good guess. Ryan McLeod had three goals in the first nine games last year. He was the only bottom six forward to have a goal in that month. Dylan Holloway, none. Derek Ryan, Warren Fogle, Devin Shore, Brad Malone was even called up for a few games. Scott Yamamoto, who was up and down from the uh, the top six, uh, did not have a goal. So uh, there you go. Stay on the line, and uh, Connor will get all your information. Uh, you have qualified into the draw. Do you know anyone that you could gift a brand-new high-efficiency furnace for? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I'm sure if I asked around, uh, yeah. I'm sure I could find somebody. Well, there you go. Yeah, you have a few weeks. Do your research, because then Connor gets uh, an email from you, so we know who your uh, person is before we do the draw. Just uh, so when we have you on, we can uh, celebrate. All right, so uh, there you go. It's that easy. Yes, uh, Ryan McLeod. Uh, had three goals in nine games. He was the only bottom six forward. I know everybody's like, oh, my God, the bottom six forward terrible right now. You're right. The production is not where it would need to be through uh, the first eight games. And of the month of October, of course, the Oilers won't play another game in October. So they're hoping that it changes. Now, remember that uh, in the uh, then in the first two weeks of November, Fogel scored twice. Derek Ryan scored twice. Uh, Clem Costin then was re- was uh, recalled because he had been traded. Uh, Matthias Yanmark got recalled, and then all of a sudden, guys started to score. Like, let's be real here. This this bottom six isn't all going to be uh, offers. Now, it might continue into uh, to Dallas, but I will say this: by next Monday. There will be at least two bottom six forwards with a goal. That's only two games, but I think there'll be at least two of them with a goal by this time next Monday. It's uh, it's just how the odds go. All right, it's how the odds go. Uh, Tr, you played that way. You know how it is. It gets now, now. There's a reason why guys are bottom six forwards because they're not supposed to be consistent scorers. If they were, they'd end up being higher in the lineup. Like, there's very few bottom six guys who are scoring once every four games. Totally. Um, usually they're there for other reasons, uh, more deep. You usually find a lot of penny killers down there um, and, and players that need to set a tone. Like I said, didn't I mean, there were guys on the Oilers forward bunch that had three and four minutes of ice time, but they were effective, right? That's the way it goes. I've... For, for me and for a lot of guys on the Oilers, I mean, it depends where you are, too, and what your expectations are. So everybody knowing their role is big. And uh, I think the Oilers are in a good place from that perspective, even though the record might not show it. I mean, the guys know what they're supposed to do. Generally, I don't, I don't see many people complaining. And, you know, usually it, successful teams, knowing your role, adds to becoming a well-oiled machine. Yeah. um, You know what? And and confidence is a powerful beast, both positively or negatively. Uh, When you have it, things are great. And uh, all of a sudden, when you don't, man, it can linger. And for some players, it it lingers all year. For some, it lingers for a month or two. And then, boom, something changes. You get a lucky one off your rear end. And all of a sudden, you're like, hey, I can score again. I, I am able to put that little biscuit uh, in the net, right? And it, but it is amazing how it changes, right? And That's it, why I've often said, Jason, there's certain players, my buddy who probably gets more flowers than anything for being tough, but Aaron Asham, right? Guys like that are real important because Aaron could play in that role and be fine on the fourth line, get five goals, be fine. But 
Someone gets there, and usually he was on the third. I'm just saying. He didn't complain, did his job. And I remember the classic example. He were going to, it was Philly. They, they, they made it all the way to the conference final, I believe, maybe 10 or 11 years ago. He was there. Simone Gagne got hurt. And Ash can go up and play that role because he can score, right? And, and uh, for me, guys, like we talked about, in other words, you know, Ash, while being kind of a perfect third or fourth liner, he had it in him to go up if he had to, but he knew that role. He knew the separation of the lines and what was expected from him. He was always very clear. He always talked with the coaches, communicated well. For me, in a very new age way, I see Connor Brown kind of like that. Like he, of course he's up there and people are putting all this expectation with him with McDavid and really he hasn't really played that much with him so far. But if you watch those little things like last game, you know, he's a guy that can do that. I think, I think he can be effective on the third or fourth. And a lot of those little decisions that he made that might not show up analytically or on the score sheet, you can just tell watching a guy make the smart play and again, knowing their role. And to me, Guys that can go back and forth between the bottom six and the top six are more valuable than maybe their on-paper resume would indicate. Yeah, like, I, you know, I, I look at, it's funny, like, Connor Brown, the thing that Connor Brown has going for him is he's produced without playing with Connor McDavid. I mean, he has, like, he's scored 24 goals, never playing uh, with Connor McDavid, right? So um, could you... Uh, now, I, and I said, just because you play with Connor McDavid doesn't mean you will score lots of goals. That's been proven. We've seen it from Yamamoto. We saw it from, uh, and by the way, it's 20 goals, not 24, it's 21, right? Um, so, and I'm pretty sure he scored uh, 21 in the shortened, uh, uh, in a short season. So, you know what? Connor Brown's got some decent skill. So you could say, hey, two time 20 goal scorer, that's what he's been, right? Um, like some players, he can go from 21 down to eight. It's crazy how that works. But, I look at Connor Brown, and the thing is, while his production isn't there, he's actually played quite well. If you watch, I haven't seen Connor Brown have a lot of turnovers. I haven't seen Connor Brown losing a lot of battles. There just hasn't been a lot of finish yet, right? And, Terry, you'd probably know better than most. That's probably the hardest thing to get back. Like, if you can get your work ethic back after not playing in a year, because if you had a work ethic, it just kind of comes natural. You have the same dogged work ethic. Not that, you know, I, I shouldn't say work ethic because everybody works hard to get to the NHL, but some guys like Zach Hyman's a dogged worker, right? That's kind of his MO in his game. There's other guys that don't look like they work as hard. They work hard in different ways. Connor Brown is a similar player. So his work ethic kind of comes back naturally, but having the finishing ability that's going to take some time, usually when you're off that long, just because, A, it's hard to do to begin with, and B, becomes harder when you don't do it. And you often get it back not playing with the best players. <laughs> you know, it's just and, – and just there's often a vibe. Look, I remember – just to tell you a story of – you know, I identify with this. But I remember being in Montreal and, you know, they would give me a chance once in a while. It might be exhibition or whatever, or even in the minors, you know, playing with good players. And I remember getting called up a few times and, geez, the first time, my first camp, you know, I, I was playing with Pierre Turgeon, who's unbelievable. I mean, this guy is so good. I mean, he was mesmerizingly good to look at. He was so crafty. And I was so young, and I was thinking to myself, just, like, get it in the corner. Like, dump it in. Just don't embarrass yourself. And that ain't what he wants to hear, right? So, and it's Pierre Turgeon, so, okay, I'll play. But I always remember, like, thinking too much when I played with him. Now, here's Mark Recchi, right, who played at the same – and I had every reason to be intimidated by playing with Recchi as much as I did Turgeon. But for some reason, Recchi, he, he was easier to read, Um you know, he was equally intimidating as a hockey presence. But when I was out there with him, I didn't really feel that intimidating. I, I was just, he seemed to be work hard, go up and down, put it anywhere around me. And I'm going to one time it, I'm going to cycle it, but I won't think you out of your shoes kind of thing. And so, I mean, I remember being young and talking to other players. I mean, it would be a gift to play with someone like Terjan and, 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 or, or Saku Koivu or Valerie Bure. There was all these like real good players and I mean I had a decent vibe with some of them but other guys you just click with and sometimes I guess as a player if you start thinking about it too much it can really affect like you said earlier your confidence level and the other side of it is that points don't always equal confidence you know if you're playing poorly 
right? And you you come out of it sometimes and go, okay, I got two points. I played a clunker there. Wow, that's a great thing that I got two points. It's gonna add, it's gonna go down as a good game when I really wasn't into it, you know. So that can happen as well with Connor Brown. I think he can play anywhere, and I really have no doubt that uh, he'll come out of this quote unquote slump that some people are calling it. Yeah, I'd agree. We'll come back. We've got uh, five questions and more on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, live on Owners Nation YouTube, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 446 on uh, Monday afternoon on Sports 1440. Owners Nation YouTube, Jason Greger, Terry Ryan, Connor Halley with you. Hope you're having uh, yourselves uh, an awesome day. Enjoyed the weekend, the uh, Heritage Classic, the Edmonton Oilers. Get a much-needed victory. And uh, more importantly, how they got the victory, uh, easily their best game defensively, did not give up very much at all. Through two periods, the Calgary Flames had a grand total of zero high-danger scoring chances, zero scoring chances uh, off the cycle, and uh, zero slot shots, five on five. They ended up with two in the game. So uh, pretty sound game, top to bottom, five on five for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. And uh, now they'll have to continue it. You need building blocks. It's one. Uh, the last thing they need is to uh, suddenly be leaky, McLeaky again uh, against the Dallas Stars on Thursday. So uh, it's a good starting point. Not ready yet to just say, hey, hey everything's back to normal. But uh, it was a good sign for the orders. We'll see where they go from here. Let's get to uh, five questions now. Brought to you by The Brick. And uh, today is the final day. The President's Sale at The Brick. You can get uh, everything you need to make your home holiday ready. Uh, 30% off home entertainment, 33% off dining and uh, bedroom, and up to 65% off sofas. Up until tonight at The Brick and TheBrick.com. It's time for five questions on The Jason Greger Show. All right, guys, question number one. Does the Oilers win over the Flames in the Heritage Classic provide any momentum for the team going forward? And was there any aspect of their game that stood out to you in a positive way? Go ahead, TR. Uh, yeah, I think they look focused, energized, and ready. I think it's simple um, that, you know, they they were ready off the bat, which led to them gaining momentum and keeping it all game. I don't think there's much deeper than that for me. Well, the orders, I, there's lots of things to be concerned to me, positive about. I think I just said it, uh, for me, the, uh, the fact that, uh, defensively they weren't a tire fire. They didn't, uh, they weren't playing Santa Claus. So, um, they're capable of doing it. They did in the last 20 games down the stretch last year. So do it again. Question two. Do you think one heritage classic or outdoor game every 20 years is enough? Or would you like to see them a little more frequent, maybe specifically in Canadian markets? Well, you got to remember there's 32 teams in the league. Um, you, you can't have one, uh, you know, I'd have to look at how many there's been like Ottawa has been in two of them since Edmonton played their first one right now. They didn't host both. They played one on the road. So Edmonton has been in one. They were in Winnipeg. So I, I think they're fine, right? You don't need two. you can't have two. So if you're only going to have two a year, you just do the math on the rotation of it. And if a team plays one on the road, I think overall that's fine. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't need six or eight of these a year. I think the number is fine. First of all, with the, the way I'm reading that question, are you saying there was only one here in 20 years? No, well, one in There's Edmonton. Been more. Yeah. In Edmonton what? specifically. Yes. In Edmonton. 2003. Not in then, yeah. Not, yeah. Not in Canada. I don't even know, guys. I, I've lost track. I've, I'm impartial. To, I love, like, looking at it yesterday, I would have been proud to be from Alberta. It seemed like a great moment. Awesome. I I just don't even think. I, I'm impartial to it. It doesn't matter. And in recent years, like, I remember, like, last year, the year before, wasn't there, like, five? Like, Heritage Classic, Alumni Week. Like, it just seems to me there's all kinds of games in Dallas and California, places you would never. I thought there was, like, a half dozen a year. Like, yeah. not on the Canadian side of things. What are they called? Outdoor classics, heritage classics, yeah, yeah, alumni weekend. Like you yeah, know, there's lots. Of them. How many have there been? I thought there was way more than there is, obviously, but I don't pay attention. I'm impartial. So if the question is, do we need more? I don't really care. It depends. <laughs> it looked like a great atmosphere there. If I'm a player, I don't think I'd love it. Deharnay's goal probably proves that the ice is a little choppy. Do I want to be playing on that all the time? No. Me as a fan, how many would I like to see? Ah. Uh, doesn't really matter. I'm in Newfoundland. I'm watching on TV anyway. 
Question number three. Uh, terrible news over the weekend. Adam Johnson, a uh, former NHLer, passed away after taking a skate blade to the throat uh, playing in England in the EIHL. Now, they have made mandatory net coverage uh, for the next season, 2024, but do you think there's going to be any change in North America for just, I guess, the health concern after that kind of a freak accident? See, I've said this for years, years and years and years, that this is going to happen and there will be an overreaction. I don't mean to be insensitive. Good God, a great kid, vibes around him, so positive, so much outreach. He was such a great teammate and, and person, judging by everything I hear. So I'm not trying to be down on that. But how many games are there and how many leagues, how many shifts are you going to break it down? We're talking one in what? Hundreds of thousands, one in a million? Millions? I don't know. Like, so... As a player, I wouldn't like this, no. Um, when I came into the NHL, guys, one of the best things, pro hockey, um, because we didn't have to wear a visor in the minors either, but I remember taking it off. I was fully aware of the risks. But to me, there, I, I, my, my sight was obstructed. I like to make passes. I like to have peripheral vision, or I think I had good peripheral vision. At least that's what was told to me by my teammates and scouts. And I remember that visor taking away an inch on the side of my eyes, and I didn't like it. And I remember going, okay, I know it's more dangerous, but I'm an adult, and I'm going to make the decision to play without it because I'm a better player without it. And I I don't like anything being mandatory, but in the, in the wake of all this and, and the fact that they made that decision so quick over there, I do think it's coming. And by extension, I know you're going to laugh at me when I say it, but I've said it for years. I think someday it'll be full cages mandatory because someone's going to get one in the jaw or a stick's going to come up under the visor and knock an eye out, or it'll happen twice in like five years. And I truly believe that in 50 years from now, if not 20, everybody will have full cages. Really? I do believe it. Well, look, would you have said everybody's going to have a neck guard? Well, but, the, yeah, the, the neck guard actually was one that uh, I always uh, I thought, you know what? It's really not that obtrusive to anything. It doesn't impact your vision at all, right? Um, I hate it. The, I hate it. It makes me feel yeah, claustrophobic. Yeah, but the difference is now the neck guards that they had that they have now. Like, have you ever worn a turtleneck in public? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that, you're going to say that the but, neck guards, they're not as intrusive as they yeah, used to be. Yeah, because like TJ Oshie has, well, there's other companies, but TJ Oshie has one. If you go look at it online, it's it's built right into your shirt. It just feels like, it just feels like a um, that you're wearing a turtleneck. Okay, but would it have protected him? I know it does. Yeah, well, seen uh, hey, TJ, TR, you can still get a fair skate point. in there. Hundred percent, fair right? point. I think they're they're doing now. It, it, it depends what it's made of, right? It's like the Kessler, uh, uh, the Kevlar. Excuse me, not Kessler. The Kevlar uh, wrist guards, the armbands that they're talking about because of Kane, right? And um, so you know, they're. I know Connor McDavid wears them already. 
um, on his wrist. And so there are other guys that are wearing and people don't know about it because you don't see it. Right. I think, you know, you saw it's some- optional, though. That's my point. Yes. They're wearing it. It's optional. Yeah, Everybody I agree. doesn't have to wear it. I don't. I agree with you. I'm stunned that it's optional in minor hockey in the U.S. I'm stunned by that. And I think that will change. But I do think, because keep it right now, the NHL would put it in in a heartbeat. The NHL PA are the ones who say, hey, wait a sec, the players, it should be their choice. And you know what? I agree with that. When you consider, so Clint Malarchuk was 1989, and thankfully for him, now he had some, uh, you know, some real after effects and mental health issues because of it, but he didn't pass away. So when you think, so that's a major one in, in, in the United States, in Canada. In the NHL, I should say. And then now there's this one in England. In the meanwhile, how many games have been played in England, in France, in Czech Republic, in Slovakia, in Russia, in Sweden, in the NHL, in uh, the AHL, in the East Coast Hockey League, all the pro leagues that you don't have something like this occur, right? So I get that it's awful, but we're talking such a low percentage that players will have the option, I believe, in the NHL to make that choice or not. For the time being. Now, it might change in 10 or 15 years, but I don't think you will see a knee-jerk reaction uh, where the NHL suddenly makes next year mandatory. I think you might see a few players make the choice themselves, and that's okay. I think it's up to, I think it's their choice to do it. Um, You know what? There's lots of things that aren't recommended in society that are not safe, and we do them as people. So I I don't think I want to take the choice out of the players' hands. Just because, because it's, it's usually people who aren't affected by it who want to implement the rule. I think it should be done by the players because they're the only ones that are impacted by it. They're the only ones that are putting their life on the line. Often the crowd, none of us are putting their life on the line. They're not. Exactly. So I think it should be exactly. their choice. Remember years ago, Jason, when they brought in the netting to go all the way around? A little girl, I think, in Minnesota got one in the head. Columbus. And, and I yeah. couldn't believe I was like, wow, I, I can't believe it took that long. Like, it always seemed weird to me that I can slap it out of my zone on the PK right into Section F and hit someone in the frontal lobe. Like, I, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. So, And some of them, but again, that, that's a bunch of fans. That That's not choice. That's but, not but performance. It, but it impacts that's the fans, insane. right? Like, it was the fans yeah. who were getting hurt. The players wearing a neck guard doesn't protect the fan. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's That's my point. Yeah, so I... I don't think it will be. I know the EIHL is making it mandatory, but I understand it's their league, and people will say, "Well, you know what? You can't. You shouldn't wait," and that's fair. But then I always counter with this argument for all the people out there, because it's easy for you to say, "Well, you do it because it doesn't impact your life." Then let's all wear helmets where we drive cars, because it should be safer. Even though cars are way safer now, if you wore a helmet, you'd be safer. But you don't want to wear one because it'd be uncomfortable. You wouldn't like it. So that's where I don't like to tell people in a situation that, A, happens so low in pro sports. You want to make it mandatory in minor sports? I get it. It's not a job. These are kids. Right? It's not their job. Hmm. So, and most kids don't have the balance, control, everything like that. Like, they're, you know, they're, there's doggy piles all the time in minor hockey. You know, I coach it. It's some of the best parts of the game, but you know what? So so I see it. So I, I wouldn't want to make, I don't see the NHLPA making it mandatory, but I think you'll see some players use it, just like we've seen more players use the wrist guards. Question number four. What was the biggest storyline in the NFL this past Sunday? No, without question, Denver beating the Chiefs. Are you kidding me? Like Denver's awful, and the Chiefs just lost to them. And they played awful. And their lack of receivers becomes more of an issue. Like Sky Moore, catch the ball. It's right in your hands. Like I'm not sure the quarterback can throw it any better. So yeah, they got a they got a receiver problem in KC. To me, that was the biggest story. I was gonna go with that, but a close second for me. So Brock Purdy, no interceptions in five games and such a brilliant start. You knew there was gonna be flaws cracks in that shield of armor but five interceptions in the last three games that's huge you were talking three weeks ago they're five and oh you're saying order the rings now it's five and three with many many flaws on display so that would be a close number two for myself i'll throw in Kirk cousins for the vikings as well the achilles done for the year uh, only done. one one back of detroit going to be tough to catch him now uh final question for you guys today uh since we are a day away from halloween and uh Got to get that candy if you haven't done so yet. Uh, what is the best single candy to get on Halloween, in your opinion? Well, 
I've told you I don't love the sweets. And, uh, you know, I'd just as soon have a ham sandwich, honestly. I have a salty tooth, so I will say a chocolate bar, something straight up that, uh, yeah, something like Coffee Crisp. There you go. (sighs) I'm not a big Coffee Crisp guy. Um, If I'm going with the best Halloween candy... I'm probably going to go with a single Reese's peanut butter cup. How about this, Jason? A few years ago, I love it. I love, love Reese's peanut butter cups. I love nuts and everything. And I developed a nut allergy. It's so terrible. Like it was such a part of my diet. That's why I said coffee crisp. I don't mind coffee crisp, but I would love like an O Henry or anything of that ilk. And I just can't eat them anymore. And Reese's Pieces was my number one by a landslide. Not even just the taste, but the the texture, how smooth yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's a joy to put in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Ooh, that is a that's a because yeah, there's a lot of chocolate bar. Well, you can have Big Turk though. It's probably like the you know the king of chocolate bars. Is it? Well, I I don't mind a Big Turk. Yeah, there I really you go. Don't. See, I knew you were a good guy. You just became a better guy right there. So, I like <laughs> I, 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 I like I've been known to down a big Turk or two. Oh yeah, Kit yeah. Kat. Do you like Kit Kat? Arrow. I do. Arrow's I really a classic, like right? Arrow's a classic, easy. Right? There's no nuts in the arrow, so that should be good for you. No, no. I like the Kit Kat, and I like that I can break it off piece by piece yes. and savor it. You know? yeah. It's like the classy chocolate bar, if you want it to be, right? Like, kind of break yeah. it off. You know, you feel like some for some small reason it's somehow classier. I'm not sure. I'm sure it isn't. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I can't explain it either, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> TR, have yourself uh, a great uh, Monday. Enjoy Game 3 of the uh, World Series. Uh, some NHL games uh, uh, to look for. Of course, order fans will be twiddling their thumbs for another three days. Uh, the strange schedule for Edmonton in October. But uh, November, it starts to pick up a little bit. Um, they still have a road trip where they play three games in like six days on the road, which never happens. So uh, they should be rested. The The schedule shapes up very well for the orders, especially in the first half of November, for them to kind of get back on even ground and then try to go from there. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, we will chat with you on Thursday, the next day where the orders play the Dallas Stars. Looking forward to it, guys. Uh, thanks a lot, JG. Thanks, Connor. And thank you, Edmonton. I'll see you guys in a few days. That is uh, Terry Ryan joins us every Monday and Thursday on Sports 1440. Let's get to the uh, con man as uh, we're going to get to uh, a Sports 1440 update uh, brought to you by Edmonton Kubota. Stay ahead of the snow game at Edmonton Kubota with their powerful snow removal equipment and attachments. Your key to a smooth, hassle-free winter. Check them out at EdmontonKubota.com. This is a sports.